Hello, and thank you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. The Teaching Math Teaching Podcast is sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators, a community of math teacher educators learning to teach math teachers better. I'm your host, Dusty Jones, and joining me today is Joel Amadon. Joel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Great. Today, we're talking with Sandra Crespo, who is a professor of mathematics education at Michigan State University. We're talking to Sandra because she gave the Judith E. Jacobs lecture at the annual conference for AMTE in February 2022. The Judith E. Jacobs lecture recognizes a distinguished mathematics teacher educator with an opportunity to challenge their colleagues. Sandra titled her talk, What Does It Mean and What Will It Take to Be an Anti-Racist Mathematics Teacher Educator? Welcome, Sandra. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Could you take a moment to uh, introduce yourself a little bit to our audience? Um, well, uh, I'm a professor at Michigan State University. I've been here for 20 plus years and, um, you know, I've, um, I've started my career at Michigan State. Um, uh, you know, it was the first job that mm -hmm. I that I had right after grad school. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the Dominican Republic, uh, which is a little country. You know, we shared the island with Haiti in the Caribbean and moved to um, Canada, to Vancouver, British Columbia, mm -hmm. to pursue um, a master's degree. I never even thought that I would um, pursue a PhD, but mm. uh, things worked out and, and I ended up getting my degree there and, and ended up at Michigan State University. And I've been here ever since. So it's been a very interesting ride to be a, a, yeah. Yeah, a, a mathematics teacher educator in, in this context. Yeah, I was. Uh, I really enjoyed your talk, and we'll we'll get to that. I, I appreciated how you shared some of your story in the map um, uh, that that uh, so, sort of charted your route, at least parts of it. Uh, but we also like to talk with people about how they got started in mm -hmm. teaching math teacher educators. So before we get to the talk, could you tell us a little bit about how you got started and maybe why you started teaching math teachers? Yeah. Well, I. I would say that um, I was privileged enough to have had great math teachers um, who really um, affirmed me as a student, and and you know I had a great education. I I I I really am thankful for all of the teachers that I had. Um, you know, and so education must always. Uh, was my first choice as a professional. Uh, and even though I knew living where I lived that I would not be able to make a living uh, by being a teacher, mm -hmm. um, that, that was the profession I chose. Okay. So I knew that the, the, the low status of the profession, I knew all of, all of what it was, but I knew how, how important it is to to and how one can, could contribute to to educating the next generation of of citizens mm -hmm. of not only any one particular place but of the world. Mm -hmm. So I did feel very privileged to have had a great education and be able to pursue education as a career. Um, so 
I began, I guess, when I thought about this question, I think that the first time where I found myself in a position of teaching teachers, it was still in the Dominican Republic, and I was engaged in a the Centro de Investigaciones at the university where I was working, that's a research center. Mm -hmm. And they had a curriculum and development project where a, a curriculum and teacher development project. So that had me, you know, working with that research team. And I was one of the people who would go out to the schools and collect data about how teachers were implementing a curriculum that they were de developing. And, and then also documenting the professional development of the teachers um, that, that was provided to them. And, and that's when I realized, you know, this is what I want to do. Mm. This is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, sort of having, you know, these sort of two layers behind that sort of how could education for more people could be better Mm -hmm. by um, educating the future generation of teachers. Right? Yeah. And so that's sort of when I began to see the, the, the wider uh, impact that a teacher could have uh, through curriculum development and through teacher development and through the preparation of future teachers. I, I had, I would say, a great preparation for teaching, but it was at the time and still in many places where you know, education lives separately from the content preparation. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Great. So that, that project really opened my eyes to the kind of really interesting work that one could do with, with teachers by mm -hmm. being inside at the place of work where they were teaching with kids and, and collaboratively um, figuring things out more a, a la teacher research or more like a teacher inquiry into their own teaching. What sort of advice did you get, or maybe what was some of the best advice that you got about teaching math teachers? Oh, right. Now, okay, that one, let me see. The best advice. I think I really, let me see. I think it's sort of more of, Never sort of asking sort of to be humble, I think. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like this idea of us as, and that came from Helen Featherstone, who was my mentor here at Michigan State University. And she was so incredibly humble as a scholar and as an intellectual, she's, she's just amazing. Um, and so it, it was sort of always looking to us, to ourselves, mm -hmm. like what right do I have to be asking teachers to do something that we cannot even do ourselves, for example, mm -hmm. right? So always looking to ourselves and to what extent are we really living uh, the life that we're wishing for the future teachers that, you know, so one of Helen's papers that I remember when she was writing and having discussions with her about this paper was about whether teacher education was, she titled it teacher education or evangelism, mm -hmm. meaning as sort of this sort of 
trying to convert the future generation of teachers into something that they have to take it by faith mm-hmm. um, as a as a as a practice uh, because how difficult it is to be able to show um, that in the context of the university, the, the kind of teaching that we would like them to do. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so the, it was, it, it is a, a very interesting paper and it is back to this point of really, do are we really modeling um, for teachers that which we are saying that we value? So that has always been with me. Yeah. What, uh, what advice would you give someone who was starting out uh, as, a, as a teacher educator, math teacher educator? Well, okay. Um, <laughs> what advice would I, oh my gosh. Stay curious, stay humble. Um, put yourself to, to, um, to really look into the history of the profession. Hmm. I think that, you know, like I wish that I had been a little bit more curious about the history of, of education and the history of mathematics. Those were two things in my own education that I don't think I, I had a good handle on. And those are that that is sort of something that I have had to learn on my own and sort of seek out resources and so on. So I think that having a little bit more of of a sense of how did we get here Mm. you know why are we do we find ourselves sort of having these sort of groundhog conversations because they sort of keep repeating Mm -hmm. itself and are cyclical um you know so, so why is it that we have made so little progress on some of these things that we say we value you know so I think that having a little bit more of a sense of the histories of both the, the education and mathematics, but also um, paying a little bit more attention of the culture of schooling. Uh, I think, you know, mathematics can be siloed. You can study mathematics teaching as, mm-hmm. as, as, a, as its own thing, but it, it, it you know, it lives in the context of, of the teaching of other subjects, for example, mm-hmm. in the school and, you know, what are, what are some of the similarities across the, the, the spectrum of things that we teach in school, but also what, what is the culture of, of, of the school that makes it so that math teaching is privileged while, you know, the other important conversations around um, the humanities or mm-hmm. around art or around being a good person are sort of, you know, sidelined yeah. in schools, right? Yeah. So, yes. So that's what I would say. It's like I wish that I had been a little, paying a lot more attention to, to the systemic uh, aspect of, of schooling and, and the, the profession as a whole, but also the culture of schools, of schooling. Yeah, Joel, you look like you were about to say something there. Well, I was gonna, I mean, and speaking of modeling, um, you know, and getting the privilege of interacting with you a lot uh, over the years, it's been, it's been so much fun. And that's what I would say is like, you, 
I mean, you do very good work. And like some of the the books that I pulled up, it, you have been a part of like the case book, the one of the first publications AMT put out. And then the uh, Smarter Together book would talk about uh, Dr. Featherstone, uh, that book. And like, but the work that you've done and seen you do like really good work with people, but like you're having a good time as well. Like we can enjoy the humanity of this thing that we're doing. We're, we're, we're talking about some of these serious, you know, topics that you're talking about, but as well, but we can still enjoy the people that we're working with and thinking about how to, because we, these relationships are kind of the fuel for what we're going to be doing. And so, you know, just the joy of, of, or seeing the joy that you have with the work that you do um, and the serious work that you do, but then also just saying like, you know what, it's, we can have fun and do this where we can enjoy each other and do this. And, and, you know, that's what was kind of nice about having this uh, last uh, AMTE conference where we get to see people and, and be around them and, yeah. and like, you know, <laughs> give, give the hug or the handshake or the way, or just like to be in each other's bread. So I I've seen that from you. And like, I'm like, if I, I, I want to have that uh, joy in my work that I'm doing. So I guess yeah. I, it's something I learned from you. Oh, thank you, Joel. I always say hard work loves company. Yeah. I mean, hard work is worth doing with good company or in good company, you know, so that's a lot of the work that I do is collaborative for those reasons. A, because I, I, I do, I'm not, um, that, you know, I'm not that, um, arrogant, I guess, to think <laughs> that one person, I, I may have been arrogant at some point in my life, but I think that was, that, that part of me has been gone for a long time. Um, you know, when you think that, you know, you can change the world and have these sort of big ideals that, you know, you can have an impact, but I'm not that delusional anymore. And so I think that, you know, big problems require, you know, collaboration and, and interdisciplinarity and, you know, people from different backgrounds, you know, we all have our blind sides. Mm -hmm um blind spots and we need people to to help each other uh you know do more mm -hmm. i think we can do more together than by ourselves so we're smarter yeah. together I guess exactly uh -huh. <laughs> i know that's what i was leading to the punchline <laughs> oh i'm sorry I oh i stole yeah. that sorry my yeah. apologies yeah we're gonna take that out in editing and oh, let my gosh. say <laughs> So at, at Sandra, at the AMTE annual conference, when you gave the Judas Jacobs lecture, I'm going to say the title again, because it's nice. Yeah. Uh, what does it mean? And what will it take to be an anti-racist mathematics teacher educator? Uh, tell, talk to the people who maybe couldn't be at your talk. Um, what, what message or messages did you want to share um, from that talk? Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, the thing that I wanted to share, um, and by the way, what an honor to be given that lecture and what a responsibility. I mean, it's, it's, um, um, yes. So it's, it was very humbling to be asked to, to, to give this lecture. And I, I, I really fret a lot over it. Um, but I thought that having been in the panel the year before, as I mentioned with Joel and um, our amazing Naomi, mm -hmm. Jessup, um, you know, the conversation where it was, um, where we left off, was around, you know, how to be, 
how to move uh, ourselves or the field into becoming an anti-racist mm-hmm. um, mathematics teacher educator. And I think that this is where AMT is right now and the field is ready. And, and so to me, I just wanted to reflect on, on my own career and, and you know how over time and how long it has taken me to, to get close to, to, to that point. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not able to say that my work is anti-racist because I have not centered race in, in any of my papers, right? Or tie the title of, of any of my papers. I mean, it's, it's, I, I sort of have, um, you know, and, and so to me, um, I guess the messaging is or was um, that becoming an anti-racist uh, mathematics teacher educator is going to take time. This is not a label that you put on and all of a sudden you claim yourself to be an anti-racist mathematics teacher educator. This is not a fake it till you make it mm-hmm. kind of label, which, you know, I'm all for, but for some things, but certainly not for something that is scholarly based and that will require that one does a lot of soul searching and reflection and developing critical consciousness. This is an area of scholarship that has a long history that has been developed over time. And so I felt that sort of thinking through my own career and how, you know, my initial premises were, you know, about what the work that I was doing um, fall more into the anti-oppressive education and calling myself an anti-oppressive educator does not mean that I'm calling myself an anti-racist educator. I mean, you have to really center race, even the race is intersectional, but um, those conversations are really hard to have. Mm-hmm. And one, one has to, to do a lot of soul searching about why that is. And also that different educators have different positionalities. You know, as a immigrant Latinx um, to, to this country, it's a it's very different kind of work than if I were a white mathematics teacher educator. Mm-hmm. So my colleagues who are white, and you two as white men have different work to do than the work that I need to do as a, as a woman of color, right? And so I think that recognizing that it's not just one thing and that each of us have work to do and is important. So to me, the messaging is to sort of start with ourselves before we're asking teachers hmm. to, to really embrace this work. Right. Or let's just say that we need to do both things, right? To work on ourselves and, and do this collaboratively with our partners in schools. This is not uh, something that we ask teachers to do without us being with them. Mm-hmm. You know, as as we know, you know, there is a lot of um, hesitancy and a lot of politicizing of, of race. So it is very delicate to 
be asking teachers to embrace doing anti-racist work if we are not clear about what it is that we're asking teachers to do. Yeah. You know, and how that looks like in math, in their math teaching, how is that going to be challenged by parents, by the communities in which they live, all sorts of things that are the backlash that is going to come. So we know all of these from having participated in some of these um, or witnessing some of what has happened to our uh, scholars of color that ha- that do center mm-hmm. race and and um, anti-racist work um, and how they've been treated and sometimes by this within the field. Mm-hmm. So we need to be realistic and and be a lot more um, critical, critically conscious about. What does it mean to be an anti-racist educator? So that was my messaging. I hope it yeah. came across. Well, and I kind of, you know, I kind of took. I mean, I love the way you said it, and you said it very well. And and just looking at some of the the things that I'll just be. I'll use some my statements, right? Like some of the work that I do. And I think like, well, I'm, 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 I'm kind of getting at it from like, you know, like these like tangential sort of things where I'm like, I'm kind of getting, no, but you're saying like, hey, what, a, wait a second, Joel, wherever you're at, aim right at like, how do we address race with this work rather than be like, oh, I'm kind of meandering around and, and kind of yeah. like, no, like what, what does this actually mean from an anti-racist perspective? And, and if we all do that from our different positionalities and we're all taking aim at that, then maybe we can move the needle uh, with regards to um, move, making math education a more anti-racist space or getting the oh. idea or showing the picture of what is it, just like with what your talks is, what, is it, mm-hmm. what does it be to mean to be an anti-racist mathematics teacher educator? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and we, we cannot continue to get at it sideways, I guess. You know, I think that we, if we are going to claim that our field is ready to be anti-racist, it has to center race. Absolutely. Sandra, I was putting together some thoughts uh, that you had said earlier uh, with some of the messages, uh, with the message that uh, from your talk. And uh, you, you mentioned earlier, hard work is worth doing in good company. And, and thinking about how you, you also said we have different work to do based on who we are uh, and, and what, uh, where our position, what our positions, uh, where, we, where we find ourselves, what spaces mm-hmm what work we find there. Um, so I, I like that idea of it is hard work. Um, it's worth doing and let's, let's work together. Let's use our different strengths and our different positions. Um, I, I am a white man, um, in America. And so I can't change that about myself. Uh, Maybe, maybe I can, I don't want to change that about myself, but I do want to do good in the world. And I want to do good in the area of mathematics, teacher education and and education in general. Um, And I can't do the things that that Sandra Crespo does. I can't do the things that Marta Seville does. I can't do the things that Naomi Jessup does. Uh, I really can't even do the things that Joel Amidon does, uh, but I can do the things that Dusty Jones does. So what, what things can I do um, that are, that are good. Um, So that's, 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 I came away from your talk encouraged 
Um, even though I, I was like, oh gosh, this is a lot of work and now we, we need to do this. We need to do this. Um, but uh, I, I'm encouraged by the fact that, that I hear you say, we have different things that we do, uh, but let's, let's aim at, uh, not sideways, but let's, let's point ourselves directly at the problem yeah. and see how we can use our, our resources that way. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I love that that's why you've taken um, from, from the talk because it really is where, where, what I was trying to say as well, which is the, the you know, we can, we can go farther by doing it together, you know, than, than uh, you know, pointing fingers about what we have not done yet, right? I mean, I think that the, the, we have gone through some of our own uh, differences and pointing fingers at the work that people are not doing or not doing or who, who does it best or what. I mean, those are infights that the field, okay, that's fine. We can have those conversations, you know, and those are important things to, to learn from, but, you know, let's, let's work together and find what is it that we can do together to, to make a difference mm -hmm. um, and in, in our own lives, but also the lives of the children in school, especially the children in school who are being uh, pushed out um, of, of STEM, who are being pushed out of school. You know, the conflation between, between behaving well and compliance and, and being a good student and being smart in mathematics, all of those things, how they conflate and how they are so, um, how they are used in schools to sort of keep students from really uh, asking questions or from, from really, um, you know, developing critical thinking and, 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 and developing their, their potential is, is, is frightening, you know? And, and so I think that that's, you know, we, we say we want students to be critical thinkers, but on certain terms, mm. you know, and those terms are, you need to be well-behaved. You need to say what the teacher says. You need to be compliant. You do not need to be a troublemaker. You do not need to rock the boat. You do not need to speak out. And so those two messaging, no one, I mean, children are confused. If you spend enough time in a kindergarten, first grade, second grade classroom, just observing it from the point of view of being a student, the amount of mixed messaging that we are giving kids is incredible. So that's another piece. I spend a lot of time in kids with kids in classrooms, looking at teachers from that point of view, trying to sort of imagine what, what, what is it that we're saying to kids when we're saying, you know, raise your hand, to, to speak up mm -hmm. or, you know, yes, I'm interested in your ideas. Oh, but that's not the way we do things here. Yeah, right. It, it's very con contradictory, right? So finding those spaces where, you know, and, and the short end of the stick always, always, you know, goes to the, to the students that are the most marginalized in, in society. So, you know, so that's very also troubling. I wanted to point out a resource that you highlighted in the uh, uh, talk that the, and you mentioned the troublemakers that that book, is it by 
Shalabi? Oh, yes, Carla, Carla Shalabi. Carla Shalabi. Um, yeah. And so I, I ordered that immediately. And I think, I think uh, Megan Burton did as well. Um, yeah. I have it in my office. It's yeah. It's an amazing. But thinking uh, about the, the kinds of things that we want our, you know, want a math student to do, right. I want to uh, investigate something challenge, probably ask why and sort of things. But when you think about like when I was first, you know, in the, in the math classroom, like, that kid that's, you know, why is this, why are we doing it this way? Why are we doing that? Like, that's exactly those exact practices. I want, I want them to do to investigate this math problem, but like not, not my attendance policy, but like maybe my attendance policy didn't make sense. And so like, that was probably a good thing. And so like, why, you know, like, so these, these practices that we want to uh, encourage in math. And then we wonder like, well, why aren't they, why aren't they asking why? Well, cause I've shut it down for so long with regards to behavior. Now, now it's the time you can do it. And so like, why would yeah, those mixed messages, it, it just mm-hmm. highlights those things. And so really, and I mean, so maybe that is a, so there's one way, like we think like, how do we are interrogating our, our practices or, or the things that we're encouraging within our classrooms and thinking about what does it mean to be, what does a successful student look like in our, in our class? What is a, a successful doer of mathematics? What do they need to, okay, so how do I encourage that in everything we do, not just in what this is specifically a math situation versus it's a, yeah a bean situation, right? Yeah. Sandra, was there any other things, any challenges that, that we haven't talked about yet that you wanted to issue to uh, your colleagues in teaching math teachers? <laughs> um, no, I think that the, the went about looking within mm-hmm. ourselves and, mm-hmm. and looking at the practices that are really um um, not helping us, you know. I think that there's a lot of um, of work that we have done, uh, and that we're drawing from um, that that we need to to go back and sort of see whether that is the best approach. Um, how can we revise? those frameworks that we current that we're currently using or that we are drawn to because they have really gotten gotten us here you know so you know so one thing i guess that i will say you know and it is a, a um um an issue that that now that i'm sort of older i guess i'm one of the elders of the field <laughs> That I think, you know, it's it's important, say, for example, complex instruction. It's it's work that um that I've been doing and that, that I've done. And one of the things that I really looked into is like, where is that coming from? Right. So Elizabeth Cohen, Rachel Lotan from Stanford did this work. So let me just look at what led to it. Right. So the history and they have they talk about it in in podcasts or radio things that one could find. But it comes from a theory in sociology, status generalization theory. So I began reading a lot about that theory that Elizabeth Cohen was bringing into the the lens through which she was looking in in classrooms. There are whole books in sociology. Uh, about status generalization theory, mm-hmm. which looks at how 
that theory develop and some of the work. But that theory has continued to develop over time, you know, um, uh, sociocultural aspects of, um, you know, in sociology, um, you know, the, the, the have continued to evolve. That has not been frozen in time. It's, it's a theory that was brought into math education in the 70s, right? So where are they now? Mm-hmm. How are they talking about, you know, the uh, um, sociology of education now, right? And so I think that that's where I think we need to go back and see where are these, especially in in linguistics, for example, right? So a lot of the work that we do as researchers is looking at the linguistics and how language gets used in the classroom. That's right. That was in the 70s and the 80s. So where are they now? So Beth Herbel Eisenman and I are looking at what is in sociology called racial linguistics. So there is a, they, they are looking at the intersection of how race, how language is racialized in, in, in society and, and everywhere. And Nelson Flores and Jonathan Rosa are the leading scholars doing some of that work. And it's, it's incredibly useful to go back and sort of look at how it is those frameworks that we borrowed from other fields, how, the, how they have evolved, you know, how are they intersecting with, with um, questions around race and racism and white supremacy, right? And so I think that that's work that we still haven't done. Right, and that needs to be done. What are the frameworks that we have borrowed from other fields? Are those fields still using those frameworks or have they given them up? You know, and I'm talking about qualitative methods as as much as quantitative methods. I mean, the quantitative methodologies that we use, you know, from statistics and so on, those fields have evolved. They haven't been frozen in time. Do you see my point? Yeah, yeah. So, So anyway, so I think that that's where... I'm at right now thinking about okay wh- where where are those those ideas now you know 20 years later so that we can revise our thinking based on you know more wisdom uh from from the scholars who have been developing those tools mm-hmm. and yes we have been working with those tools and and adjusting it to our field of math education and math teacher education but have we really um, accounted for, you know, everything that we could be accounting for based on where that framework is right now in that field? So that's where I am right now, if yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> and I would say that would be something that I would hope, you know, um, math teacher educators consider. And and I guess it's sort of related to the work that Nicole Louis is doing in terms of sort of looking at what are the ready-made tools that we are giving teachers that serve basically to, to continue to oppress um, students in the classroom as opposed to uh, tools that are liberatory, right? So, and, and those go to the point of sort of seeing how those theories that we have borrowed have become more liberatory in those fields. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, Sandra, you, um, you're very productive, at least from my perspective, you get a lot of things done. And one, one thing we'd like to ask people is, uh, what's, what's your secret? How do, how do you get things done? Uh, Take, taking what, notes uh, right now. Here we yeah. go. <laughs> what, go. uh, we talked about this already. Oh, Smarter we did. Together, okay. I'll just go back and listen together. to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and if, if you want to get things done, it's better to, to do it in great company. And so finding collaborators who, who are committed to doing this work in, in schools, in the academy, in journals, you know, and pursuing those opportunities that you know that, that yes, there is a lot of work to do, but let's find, uh, you know, the, the spaces in which you can make some progress by surrounding yourself with the people that, that you know com- have different strengths from you. Yeah. It doesn't need to be like-minded people. And in fact, I, I collaborate across all sorts of disciplines and all sorts of mm-hmm. places because... You know, I, I do believe that diversity is a strength. Yeah. Do you have anything to promote? Um. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, I mentioned already the work that I'm doing with Beth Herbal-Eisenman. We have a piece in uh, FLM the, for the learning of mathematics, okay. which is um, looking at, at um, uh, David Pym's work on speaking mathematically. And then asking the question of who gets to speak mathematically. This is uh, uh, an issue that is coming out in FLM. We were invited because David Kim had been a mentor of both of us. And we drew heavily on a lot of his work early in our career. And so looking at that framework, just what I mentioned earlier, and sort of seeing, you know, how uh, from from, um, now 20 years later, Mm Uh, what are some of the questions that we want to ask about um, about the 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 you know the linguistics and in particular social linguistics, which is now moving more to racial linguistics and thinking about how language um, racialized people. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, we'll try to put that in the show notes. I think once it's, I mean, we we'll we'll do something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll <read> uh, and, <laughs> and I guess that I'll just promote the Jeremy monograph. This is um, work, the last monograph that will ever be published, according to Jeremy, mm. um, was published this last year. And Jenny Osuna, Langer Osuna, and uh, Neil Shah are the, ed- um, the editors mm-hmm. of that monograph, and he's focusing on. Um, identity research and there is a lot of great um, chapters in in that monograph and so and I participated in two of those it came out of a a, a Spencer grant that Jenny and Neural uh, secured and oh. and developed um, that, that proposal so great that's well. it that's it. That's great. Thanks so much, uh, Sandra. It's it's always a pleasure talking Thank with you. you, Joel. I met Sandra at a at a. We were on a panel together. For, oh, I don't know if I, I, I don't remember. know if I can say what organization it was, but it was a long time ago. Um, 
It feels like anyway. And it's, it's been, it's been lovely uh, talking with you, Sandra. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you both. It's been great to sort of revisit some of these, then of course, hopefully clarifying a little or extending some of the yeah. points I made in the talk. That's great. That's great. And thanks again to you, the listeners, for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. We hope you're able to take action on something you just heard and interact with other math teacher educators, maybe do some hard work together. Speaking of interacting, uh, what would you like to hear on upcoming podcasts and who would you like to hear from? Let us know through the virtual suggestion box. You can find it at the Contact Us page at teachingmathteachingpodcast.com or in the show notes for this episode. Also, did you know that AMTE has another podcast, the Mathematics Teacher Educator Podcast? The MTE podcast accompanies the latest edition of the Mathematics Teacher Educator Journal and has authors join host Ava Thanheiser, our friend, as they discuss the work they have published in the journal. You can find a link to the MTE podcast website in the show notes for this episode.